I just started recording. Okay, and through fantastic. I okay. just rescued Saul. Who I guess people can listen to this and it's not a spoiler. And uh, we were talking about how badly both of us want to romance Pen Am. Yeah. Because she's really she's actually really cool. I, I like her character. She's a great character. She is a great character. Yeah. She's got a great ass and <laughs> I want to touch it. This game this game gives me ample opportunities to look in the mirror. Oh, and my hair's gone. Yeah. That's hilarious. My hair is gone. I, I don't, don't know how <laughs> I don't know when I got the Jake haircut. That's it. <laughs> fuck you fuck hey, you what's weird about this <laughs> is that this is like a punk game and IRL I have a more punk haircut than the haircut options in this game I gave myself a mullet and there's not a mullet option in this that game that is pretty wild that there's not a mullet option I was I was like in the character customization thing regardless of all of the peen mechanics I was looking forward to the mullet option you know <laughs> yeah. like I was like, okay, great. Normal size peen. Where's the mullet options? Yeah, the character customization is is serviceable. It's good, but it's it's not. Yeah. Which like it doesn't really matter. Like it's a first person game. And you really only ever see your character in the right inventory screen and in the mirror. And when you see yourself in the mirror, nine times out of ten, you don't even have the hairstyle that you wanted. Yeah, and it's very it's a very like scripted. I I just want to know what. <laughs> I just want to know what went wrong. <laughs> and that applies well, to, to like yeah, to so many things. But like like you're I don't know if you noticed, but you you just don't have hair mo- like all of the time. So like if you ever yeah. look down in your shadow or something, your shadow won't have hair. Your shadow looks <laughs> fucked <laughs> by the way. It's so <laughs> weird. Yeah. Well, and and what's frustrating is like because of the reputation of the game now i don't know what's a bug and what's actually just a quest being Mm, difficult mm -hmm. like if i'm supposed to find something i'm always terrified like oh is it just that i'm stupid or or yeah and and usually i'm stupid but sometimes there will be a bug yeah i'm gonna join the zoom the conversation surrounding assassin's creed valhalla has been kind of that too in that uh really that that game shipped in a very buggy state and it it does mm-hmm. that thing where it's so buggy that it gets to the point where uh you start questioning uh hey buddy hello hello it starts Howdy. it starts que- you start to question whether or not it's it's you or it's the game and then you start <laughs> you start to lose trust in <laughs> am i the problem you, you start to lose trust in, in the game and the quest lines and like is this yeah. thing that i'm experiencing actually intended by the developers or is it the bug yeah. you know screwing or uh is it the game is it? screwing with me and I, i'm never gonna forget and i want this i want this specific part i mean i i think this is all gonna be on the pod but i read a comment and i don't know if it was in our group or someone else's group i think it was in the xbox series x group that i'm in um in the middle of the discussion around the game, someone was like, you I know hate, what, I'm I playing on a classic. In, I hate that you're still in that group, by the way, seeing as how I I, I was banned like day two for posting a well, yeah. weird lasagna meme. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm laying low and just observing and sending you screenshots, though, so I'm the man on the inside. Right, yeah. But someone was like, oh, I'm playing on my Xbox One, and I'm having a great time. I'm just pretending that the glitches are my headset malfunctioning. It's helping immersion. Yeah. And, and so I sat there and I really like I, I let that sadness just wash over me like a warm bath. And I was like, wow, like that 
People are willing to go that far the just links, to defend. Yeah, I just pretend it's my GPU going in and out, and it's fine. You know, like, then it's my hardware. It's it's a me issue. It's not a game issue. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't Mama CD Project Red. It was something else. They keep thinking that she's gonna call them, and she's never gonna call them. Like she's never <laughs> ever gonna call them. So, oh man. Um. Yeah. Hello. But yeah. Isaac. Hey, man. Buddy, pal. This is uh, the last Dummy Thick episode of... Two- last Dummy Thick of 2020. Of 2020. Or is this the last episode and you just haven't told me yet? Or, or, or is it the last episode because, yeah, the world is going to take January 1st, <laughs> 2021. 2021 is just going to be 2022. 20, That's right. Yeah, it's going to be 2020 part two. part two. V2, yeah. Yeah, so we've had this is our cyberpunk episode, and we've had we've both had a while with it now. I've had we've both had about a week with it. I think. How yeah. many hours are you in? Um. Well, let's uh, hold on. Let me check my Steam hours. Steam tells me oh, fuck. <laughs> Steam tells me sixty point five. I don't think that's accurate because Steam also counts the time that you spend in the menus. And I'll just leave my mm-hmm. game, I'll just leave my game up on the start screen or whatever for hours at a time. I think I'm actually somewhere probably around forty. Forty, okay, yeah, yeah. So, and I'm I'm hover, I'm hovering around like twenty five or so, and I and that's all gameplay because I don't like leave it up. Yeah. So good so. chunk of time. Where where are you? Like without giving story spoilers, I guess, which we will try to avoid in this because I know people. Yeah, are still, of course. Still haven't gotten too far. It's only been out a week. Yeah. Um, the, like a couple of the main plot driving events have happened uh, enough to kind of for me to grasp the story of what's going on. Um, that didn't tell me. Daddy Keanu has obviously made an appearance now. Okay. Uh, so you're and, a- and that's and that's to be expected. I mean, I'm 20 hours into the darn thing, so I would hope at that point I, I get to start seeing Keanu. <laughs> have you have you rolled into Act Two yet? Act two. Are you in uh, Act two, or are you still in Act one? I, I guess I'm still in Act one then, okay. uh, because because I, I don't know. There hasn't been a noticeable transition into Act two. Um, I've been really sinking myself into a lot of side missions and everything, mm-hmm. which is kind of like helping me stay in the game. Because I'm going to be honest, like the main plot is kind of just more or less, eh. Like yeah. all of the little side quests are very entertaining. Yeah. Um, doing one with a nomad girl or a girl. Pan Am right now, which has been, which has been fun, yeah. But what do you think about uh, Keanu and the role of Johnny Silverhand? I don't mind him. I think his character is written a little weird. Um, his his guy is vaguely anti corporate in the sense that he kind of wants to burn it all down. Yeah. So the you get he's like we're a, just gonna burn the whole thing down from him a lot. Yeah. But. You never really like at least my 25 hours in. I haven't gotten a lot of substance out of him beyond that. It's more just kind of like penis jokes and vulgarity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's and that's it. Yeah. Um and that's that's more or less the tone of the entire game. It's like you want to burn the whole system when really most of my actions feel like I'm in support of the system. <laughs> yeah, uh, I it, think it's that's it's a trip. That's uh that's I think our shared biggest complaint so far is mm-hmm. that uh 
and by the way, I'm just going to go ahead and apologize for my neighbors who are being incredibly loud and going in and out of their apartment. They picked mm-hmm. until just, you know, right when we started recording to have over company. That's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Um, yes, the, uh, the whole thing that this game does where it like, I mean, it's got punk in the title, right? <laughs> and then it's got these characters, you know, you being V and then with Johnny, you're both positioned to be like these very, um, uh, like you're anarchists and you know down with the mm-hmm. system down with government down with all these corporations and then you're helping primarily police officers <laughs> like get mm-hmm. gallivanting around night city you know going on quests for for police officers helping police officers in various yeah. ways you do like there are missions that do highlight how corrupt the police are so like that's cool i guess that there is some nuance and it's not just trying to but it feels more like it's kind of towing the line a bit and like trying not to offend too many people yeah i don't know well big picture big picture as a fan of the cyberpunk genre like having spent about 25 hours with it I like the setting a lot i like the big sandbox that they've given me to play around in yeah. night city is incredible the sort of surrounding badlands are incredible. I, I like sort of like the canvas that it's on right now. Yeah. Um, substance kind of lacking for me, right? Like okay. I'm let's I'm twenty. I I, I, I I like where your head's at. I like let's talk these big picture things that we're in actually yeah. enjoying with the game because yeah. I know that we're both like this is such a mixed bag. You know? It's so mixed, man. Yeah, it, <laughs> Just, it's so mixed. You know, and that applies to like the game itself, and it applies mm-hmm. to the conversation surrounding the game, and the developer, and the discourse surrounding it. Like, there's a lot to take in, and we're gonna do it very imperfectly, but I think it's worth kind of hashing it out. It's and also like, so like I was saying, like big picture, the the environment. You can tell that people spent an unholy amount of time. Sure on the game yeah in terms of development in terms of making everything work well it's it's just awesome um night city itself if this game were just night city and exploring night city like i would already give them kudos for how ambitious and detailed the the area of night city actually is yeah and how everything i mean at least on pc right now and we'll get to the how it doesn't work the same for sure it's not an agreed upon unified experience for everyone obviously yeah um, but on my sort of mid-range PC, it's working very well. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's great. Like if the game were just kind of an open world, do whatever you want kind of thing, which it a little bit marketed itself as, as that. But I was told to expect more content than I think I've actually been given on launch. Um, feels very, very wide and beautiful and about two feet deep, basically. Like I still feel as if I'm a little bit of a tourist in this world and not quite invested. Um, mm. Which is interesting. But in terms of the game setting, it's awesome. Big fan of the cyberpunk genre, as I've already said. The car and vehicle-like design, the clothing design, all of that is incredible. It's exactly what I expected. It's very, very good. Where this game shines is in, like, the art department, you know, all Mm -hmm. of the, like, posters and the stickers and the logos. It's all just very stylized, very cool. There are yeah. still moments driving around Night City that I just like. I'm like, oh fuck, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> like that, just we the, the, our the, first playthrough together. 
you and I were like on a Discord call and every like it was <laughs> silence for 10 minute stretches. And then we would alternate going like, Holy man, crap. this is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and yeah. we knew exactly what we were talking yeah. about, like just different things. Oh, man, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's that's still how I'm feeling 25 hours in just in terms of the in, environment. I'm still having those moments, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that to that end, it's amazing. Um, it's a success, I would say. It's it's too bad that we're in the minority of people experiencing that, mm. like actually getting that experience out of it as the what did we say? Like 60 percent of people bought it on current to last gen consoles. It's broken. Uh, 41% of people that pre-ordered it were on console. Oh, so, something like that. That's that is rough. That yeah. is rough. I thought I thought it would be way more than that, but uh yeah. apparently, yeah, a good chunk of people that are playing this game are on are on PC. So, you know, like roughly half and half, I guess, but that's yeah. that's a that's a ton of people that are playing this game in uh in a state that I would say was um is broken like that's not what yeah. uh you should have expected from a developer that was saying time and time again that yeah um they intended th- this game to be the their crowning achievement their words of the previous generation mm-hmm. so the ps4 and xbox one gen and it just like it's the most broken <laughs> on on that, yeah. on that generation and i don't buy this narrative that like it's just the hardware and if you if you had a ps4 and xbox one you should expect it because this was a next gen game it wasn't a next gen game it was never it was intended slated to, be to a release in game. april yeah it was supposed to come out in april yeah before the next gen consoles were even supposed to be here like i i can't hear that it's a that it's a next gen game because it wasn't designed to be a next gen game yeah like of course next gen hardware can run it better that's fine but the game was marketed to release middle of this year. Okay, okay. What else are we liking? <laughs> what, what, what else are we liking? The art, the, yeah. de- the design, the writing is really good. Um, the music is incredible. The soundtrack the, like, is so good. The Converge the, track. The OST is nuts. Mm. This is the only like RPG that I actually enjoy having the radio on. Like in, Even in GTA, I would just turn the radio off yeah. or play something on Spotify. Uh-huh. And the music in this actually does a little bit to help put you further into the environment, which this game needs all of the help it can get in that regard. Cause everything otherwise still feels kind of sterile and you feel like you're not quite experiencing it. You're more just kind of like piloting somebody, which the music helps me kind of break through that. Um, but that's, I'm really liking that's an interesting take. Music. I think that you don't feel very invested in uh yeah. in the character or the world like i do i do think that this is a world that feels very alive um the the opening sort of the first two or three hours uh where you do the initial like big the first big event of the game you're, it felt you're like backstory incredibly incredibly rushed to me um and i and i worry that like that's how people are going to be taking it is that um there's a huge event that happens and it feels like it should have happened like 10 hours later into the game than it should. Are you talking that it actually did? Are you talking about your backstory as the, as a nomad or are you talking about like the part right before the title came up? I'm I'm talking about the part right before the title. Okay. Like that that feels like it should have happened way later in the game than it actually did because a lot transpires in that specific mission and 
I, I ended it feeling like, huh, okay. Like I didn't, it didn't give me enough time to get settled in. I feel like, mm. um, which is kind of frustrating, but I think that now that I'm sort of chugging along and doing some extra side missions, that's helping. But I feel like you should have had kind of a buffer zone of knocking out a lot of side missions before that big initial event, because they're just, there's this <clears throat> montage that I thought was cool initially where it kind of like fast forwards your experience six months into night city. And while that montage is extremely well cut, it's really cool. I feel like that robs you a little bit of sort of getting you slowly dipped into the story and the environment. Like there's so many people that you see in that cutscene that then call you later in the game and act like they've never met you before, mm. which is very odd too. Mm. Um, so it makes me feel like just there was something cut and it wasn't meant to feel this way. Uh, which is I do kind of see I weird. do kind of see what you're saying there, and I do yeah I do agree that the like the the main main story there are like several main quest lines, but like the yeah. the main one so like going through Act One, Act Two, Act Three, mm-hmm. you arrive at at Act Three like abruptly. It feels like if you're just sort of playing like the main stuff and doing some side quest stuff on the side, yeah. it does. So I did have that thought that I was like, I wonder if something was cut at some mm-hmm. point because you do arrive there like 20 ish hours in and yeah. uh, you get that screen. That's like, Hey, you should wrap up any like side quests and stuff that you uh, are still working on. I'm like, dude, that's like all that I have. Right. <laughs> like, cut, yeah. Cut right. My, the, the, like, you should, you should wrap up the rest of the game that you're playing. <laughs> no, that's, but that's literally, yeah. So like the Cause, last, cause we're about to beat Ganon here and it's about to get real different for you. <laughs> so that was, yeah. that was 20 hours in and now I'm another 20 and I'm still like trying to wrap up some, some side quests yeah. and stuff. So no, yeah, I I feel you. I I did enjoy the first like ten hours right before the uh, the the title screen. I thought that was like sort of a good sort of bite sized portion of what you're gonna experience. Like it it set the expectations well, I think, for what's coming in in Act Two. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 set piece. I guess we can't talk about like story elements, but that whole set piece sure. was really cool. Like that entire mission with yeah. uh, Jackie. I mean, people can know that there's a big initial mission that sort of sets (laughs) you up like that's and that's what we're referring to. We're referring to like the big first initial mission. You'll know it when you get to it. I promise. But yeah, like I I think the writing is really good and it does like um, while it doesn't like I don't feel as invested in a lot of this game as I did in like The Witcher 3 or something. Um, Mm -hmm. there are moments in this game and there are characters that I I do love a lot. Like I really did like Jackie um, a ton, you know. Um, the voice acting for a lot of these characters is is incredible. I also yeah. I also really like uh, Keanu as as Johnny. I think it's um, it's it's a weird casting choice because we yeah. we know Keanu as like somebody that's like super wholesome. You know, you're yeah. all beautiful. <laughs> like he very much is that person in real life. Yeah. You know, and in like almost every role he plays in, in any movie. Well, I guess not in uh John wick. I guess he's not that person, not but. in John wick or, or the matrix, but <laughs> fair it's enough. less fair enough. I guess like you it, do have to separate it's less John wick in this and more just angry, angry, narcissistic, corporate asshole. Guy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, like so very, very narcissistic. If, and if, if you're not somebody that can separate the actor from like a role, I think you're going to have a hard time accepting him in mm-hmm. in that role. But I think he does a, a great job with it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. So what I was going to say, too, is like 
make sure that you're not just main mainlining that first like like the main quest the act one act two i don't know what it's called uh but if you're like you're looking at your quest line um like there are those it's like the arasaka storyline yeah thank you yes yeah it's that um because i was not paying any attention to the other two main quests that were like (laughs) the the one with johnny and then uh it may be the one with pan am is, yeah. is is the other one so both of those were both at like 10 percent, 20 percent, and the arasaka one was at like 90 percent. so yeah. um by the end of the arasaka one um johnny and i were like in a pretty good place and like we sort of had developed this sort of respect for each other and like that was great and then mm-hmm. uh, uh but because the other quest line was that like 10 percent, and i wasn't really progressing that going back to yeah. that quest line and doing some of those um yeah it felt like our relationship was in like a a different spot from where it should have been like Uh, it's almost as if like they expected you to have those done by that point in the game yeah Mm. so like johnny and i would fight over stuff that like and and the other quest lines like we had already kind of like moved past that point Uh, you know okay so yeah and it's I don't know how you solve for that. You know, like I think that's a hard thing to solve for in a game where that's like so many different variables. Sure, yeah. Where it like it, it wants you to sort of approach all of these different quest lines as, as you see fit. Like it doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. this isn't a linear game. Right. Um, right. But that that was kind of a weird sort of shift for me. Um, yeah. And my game, my game menu is actually up right now. So I'm 60 percent in like the Arasaka line, 15 percent in the Johnny line and then 20 percent in the like um like the becoming Johnny Silverhand yeah. line and then like the like the twenty percent and like the basically the death <laughs> the death storyline. Have you uh so. how, how are you playing this game? Like um are there a, a set number of guns that you're kinda just sticking with that you really like? Is there a play style that you really like? I'm definitely I'm alternating between like assault rifles and the mantis claws. Okay. Um like so assault rifle blades. I'm definitely the game is asking me to not be stealthy. So I and that and that makes me very sad. So I initially started to do like a stealth. I'm level seven stealth. So I've got like seven in my cool tree. But ultimately it's reflexes and body because that seems to be the most useful in the game. Yeah. Uh there are so many like you could force open this door if you were one level higher. And I've gotten so sick of seeing that I've just started to level my body up. <laughs> um and I and I think that like my ultimate strategy is to finish my no bad playthrough, which is my first one, and then wait a couple of months to see what state the game is in. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't appreciate that the game is like giving me an entire stealth page, um, and with all of these sort of rich, you know, stealth like passive abilities to have. Where if you're in stealth, you get a bunch of bonus crit damage and stuff. But then the game itself does every single thing it can to force me into an all-out firefight yeah um i i really like i felt a little bit neglected in that regard i don't think this uh, this game is built for stealth you know it's just not it's not like a game like deus ex where you have no. where you have all of these like sprawling internal spaces and nooks and crannies and vents that you can mm-hmm. crawl through things that you can hack like it's not that type of game this is an open world yeah. game most of the environments are outside even you know, yeah. like if you want to well, play they stealth, want you, you can. They want you to experience the big cinematicness of it, right? Yeah. And there's not really a way to do that short of a big shootout in a fancy bar. Like, yeah. and that's that's what this game wants you to do over and over again is have a big shootout in a fancy 
neat location. Well, and it's granted it's, it's when not that, that happens, it's cool. It's not that it like wants you to do that, but it's like that's the most effective and fastest route, I think. You know, yeah, like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel as effective to go the stealth route, and it does feel, and it's also like th- there there's a certain level of jank associated with the game that like makes fighting directly way more approachable and less frustrating yeah. than trying to be stealthy because you don't want to sure. you don't want to spend 30 45 minutes trying to be super stealthy and then just to get yeeted out from behind cover right yeah <clears throat> um, yeah which is a bug that we've both experienced where you try to crawl through a window so, and it just so many kicks bugs. you backwards all right what else do we like <laughs> <laughs> so um, um, I, I think the I think the gun design is really cool. Um, the the gun design is neat in that it's not quite like space age in that oh you have laser shotguns, but it looks like technology has progressed to the point where you have like auto locking like tracer bullets, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, the smart bullets or whatever smart smart weapons. Yeah. It's it looks like weapons probably will look in the next 50 years, which I think is very cool that they didn't just go like all out lasery with it. Um, you I think you, that that's you sent me a picture of a gun that you want last night that looks like a hand cannon from Destiny or from uh, from yeah. the, from this game. Even yeah, it looks the very silencer code Maxim yeah. nine is that gun. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's, it's very cool. And it looks it does look like a pistol straight out of this game. In fact, I'm looking at a couple in my inventory as I'm talking to you that look like this gun. Um, so like the weapons and the clothing, uh, like I said, weapons, clothing, melee stuff, all is sort everything of wrapped up has, in this box. Like, everything has two sides. Like the clothing looks super cool. And I love yeah. that there are so many different options. And then I hate, I hate that like you're locked to certain looks for the stats. Like if you want the best stuff, then you're going to look yeah. like a homeless person for the entire game. And I hate that so much. So it's like, yeah, oh, my guy has been wearing a motorcycle helmet for like the last <laughs> here. Let me, let me this. I'm going to, I'm just going to show you. This is going to be purely for you, but this is my guy right now. Like this is, this is what we're looking at here. <laughs> so he's wearing like a really cool like blazer and then he's got this bright green and yellow biker helmet. <laughs> With like joggers on. Yeah. Like my guy looks like I just yeah robbed a uh H&M. my chick my, my chick is wearing booty shorts with like i'm sure i'm sure like a 60 stat value the crit chance booty shorts <laughs> the crit chance booty shorts uh red boots that go up to her thighs yes um the samurai jacket and then a, a, a biker helmet i think i love um, it but i I, love I, it. I swap between the biker helmet and the michael scott bandana um yeah yeah just just for the aesthetics you know yeah sure of course <laughs> of course but yeah it's like why why would you not put in like a transmog system or some way like yeah for a game that's like trying to be a kind of a looter like there's so much loot mm-hmm. in this game there's so much yeah. of it and it's like learn from other looters man well that you know? and i think that's one of the things that like I, i've said already i like the clothing the weapons all of that sort of gets rolled into the design department for me. I think the design on this is nuts. The visual design is crazy good. Yeah. Um, when it gets into the like the granular details of crafting, um, I think that was one of the things that sort of suffered under the rushedness of it, where maybe in three or so months we're gonna get a feature like that. But I hate I hate crafting in, as it exists now. Yeah, the crafting is not good. You also can't lock items to make sure you don't accidentally dismantle it, which is terrifying to me i take like 
an extra 30 seconds before I hit Z every time just to make sure I'm not getting rid of like a yeah like legendary item yeah okay so I didn't even know that you could lock items no you can't you can't gotcha so you said you press Z what is what what does Z do Z disassembles items for materials oh okay like, alright sorry in order to like just not be <coughs> over inventoried you can just dismantle lower damage items yeah so, and uh yeah and I hate like <laughs> I feel like I have a brain aneurysm every time I look at that screen because it's so hard to like decipher what you mm-hmm. what you just got like there needs to be some sort of way to organize all of that stuff or to differentiate your best stuff from the other things because everything looks so similar you know mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. what have you so I, I've rattled on what what have you enjoyed yeah, about it so, so far? So I um I was really not enjoying the combat. Um like I found things that I enjoyed doing uh that mm-hmm. kind of like kept kept me going. Um putting silencers on the pistols and getting that like five uh or two times damage buff when you shoot from cover or something on headshots and you get that really satisfying like sound effect when you yep. shoot somebody in the head like that that's fun and that loop kind of kept me going for a long time until mm-hmm. i found the double jump prosthetic for your legs and the mantis blades um, yep. so basically since then and my complaint prior to that was that um and i, I mean i guess it it still holds now is that i i, I feel that the the movement and the combat and the act of mm-hmm. shooting your weapon feels really stiff uh, in a way that is okay. not is not fun and, and uh, is not very enjoyable. Like hiding behind cover and just like just generally moving around and jumping and doing all of the th- all of the things that you would expect to do in a game like Call of Duty or in a game like Destiny, mm-hmm. which uh, is still a game that I think nails movement in a way that few games are 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 able to. Mm-hmm. Um, the double jump kind of. Uh, makes up for that a little bit um okay. and that you f- you feel faster and it provides some more verticality to fights that you don't have otherwise so yeah. be- so being able yeah. to just like very quickly jump up on top of buildings and stuff and like snipe from above um is is great uh mm-hmm. being able to close in on people and just fucking slash them up with your blades uh yeah. is fun so um I've, I've been playing almost exclusively that way yeah um the problem with that <laughs> is that it feels like the game world um, isn't uh, it, it. It just feels like it's on pins and needles like the entire time. So if you yeah. like I what I want to do, like is jump up on buildings and like get the high ground. Right. The problem with that is that there are some buildings that you're not meant to be on top of. So you'll yeah. you'll jump up there and you'll just fall through the building and you can't get yeah. out. You know that that's happened yeah. to me like several times. It's like, why <laughs> Why would you give me this super awesome prosthetic ability and then give me a game world that doesn't really support that thing, you know? Yeah. Why would you um, make me Spider-Man if I can't climb if I can't, Yeah, if I can't do that, yeah. you know? So I'm I'm enjoying that. I am, um, I'm primarily sniping because uh, the snipers feel so, like, they feel really good. Yeah, the snipers are uh, the, good. The sound effect when you fire off uh, around, it's just chunky. You feel, can also wall bang so with them, good. which is pretty cool. Haven't done a whole lot of wall banks. That's cool though. I didn't know that. Uh, snipers uh, still using the revolvers a lot. Samurai, mm-hmm. I, I, like I feel like the the like melee weapons, the swords, the mantis blades are for sure like the way to go. Yeah, um, agreed. I, 
upgrading that tree is is the move. It has the sauce. Yeah. If you found yeah. a vibrator yet, uh, m- melee weapon that you can like swing around and it vibrates, it goes brrrr. No, I have not. That's pretty cool though. Kind of sounds like a lightsaber. I have not seen that yet. That's but very cool though. But it's a dildo. It's not a lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. It does like That's, 600 DPS. It's great. This game, this game feels in some ways very Saints Row. And, and that's that's yeah, yeah. definitely one of them. Like it's a, it's a future Saints Row RPG, and some people might be very upset for me. I to really, point that I think out, it's just the, I think it's just the dildo though that gives you that impression. Like there's really nothing else that. Well, I guess aside from being able to look like a goober, yeah, <laughs> being able to look like a goober and there being actual goobers as weapons, <laughs> yeah, the, is the what's giving me the Saints of the Row weapons <laughs> is very Saints Row to very me. goober, yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, and so like. <clears throat> the sto- the overall storyline is interesting. Like there was a part where um sort of talking about that first initial mission where it legitimately kind of shocked me a little bit. I it kind of set it up in a cool way. I think the writing for the main story is neat. Um I I don't feel like I should be 60% through it yet. Um so it feels yeah. pretty brief. It's fast. It's yeah, quick. it's very fast. Um but I'm just I think that in its briefness, it allows you to maybe get more in depth in terms of all the other side quests, which I will say, and this isn't my own original opinion. I've seen other people say this, like the side missions do more to sort of jump you in and help you feel pretty good about the world than like the main story does. Yeah. Um, which I think is maybe just indicative of an RPG, but I think that that's better. You're better off if your play style is more like mine, where you just gradually sip this thing rather mm-hmm. than storm through the main campaign. Um, I like to go the route in RPGs where I do enough side missions that the campaign feels easy to go through because I'm so high level and I can just enjoy the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very much, I think that's rewarded in this, I think. Somewhat. Yeah. I, cause I, I also did that, but the melee feels so OP and so effective that I can just mm-hmm. like breeze through almost any content the game throws at me now. Mm-hmm. Aside from yeah. like the, the ones that are, high difficulty i don't have any very high anymore i don't think but the ones that are high do have to think a little bit harder like i can't just bum rush with a sword yeah Um, yeah but almost all of like the open world stuff that that pops up like i can just take my sword and just freaking hack and slash my way through almost Mm -hmm. anything Mm -hmm. um okay so how, how are you feeling about the game overall um i feel like the game itself like I said, is a neat sandbox for me as a big cyber nerd to play around in. Um, I feel a little bit underwhelmed in terms of having let myself get hyped up over the last, I mean, like I I really think I followed this starting in 2019 just to kind of give myself enough time to sort of take in and see what I could expect. And it feels like they promised a lot of depth that they haven't really delivered on yet. Like I was expecting to work more closely with gangs and sort of be able to carve out my own life path independent of what the story was kind of pushing. Sure. Um, yeah. And I feel a little bit more enslaved to the storyline than I expected or I necessarily wanted. Okay. Um, I, this year was my also I do was like also that. my first year playing Fallout New Vegas, and the contrast between like the sort of hey cowboy do what you want between New Vegas and this is it's pretty stark. I mean. Mm. 
this game feels closer to like a Red Dead Redemption. Like you, you're a little bit more boxed in than uh than I think you would expect in an RPG. Yeah, um, the the actual like role playing part of this game, I think, is what's a little bit disappointing. Not mm-hmm. being like being, for example, <laughs> for example, doing a mission for one of the fixers who uh, who sent me to avenge a cop, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is a very specific outcome for a quest. Right. If the fixer yeah. had just told me, "Hey, here's the situation. There is, you know, there's a cop that died. Whatever." There, uh, if it gave me the tools to sort of approach the situation in the way that I wanted, versus like I have to kill an entire gang that killed right. a cop or something, uh, right. or like to sympathize with the cop. Like, don't make me sympathize with cops. Don't do it. You know, like in a game that's supposed to be role playing, let me role play the way that I want. You know. Yeah, I, I and I know, I'm not saying that there should be like a binary yes or no choice between all of the gigs, but I do think though that when Regina Jones, we're talking about Regina Jones, which is a fixer that in in an hour session, okay, I intentionally tried to see like Regina Jones. How is, many is a cop? She's not. She's not a fixer. Well, she's a cop that is a, that works effectively as a fixer for you. I thought I didn't. I didn't think that she was a fixer, but I could be wrong. Well, basically, she's someone she, I'm using. She could fixer actually, be, she could actually missions. be an ex-cop that is a fixer. I don't know. I could be. <laughs> all right. Anyway, sorry. Go on. Well, for an hour straight, I tried to drive to all of the little question marks on the maps for like <laughs> missions for side missions. Yeah. The entire hour that I did probably six or seven missions. It was all from Regina Jones and they were all various levels of deal justice to this person right the on first, behalf of the first 10 hours of this game it's just you answering regina jones phone calls right yeah no i mean it's it's regina jones job simulator and i think that it's hard because there is a storyline where early on in the game i'm sent to silence a journalist who's doing a story on police corruption and that's that's given to you by regina jones mm-hmm. and and that that's like one of the main people that gives you quests in the game. So that sort of sets the tone for her as like a crooked cop. And in this game where it's supposed to be more or less role-playing, I didn't want to be or be in service to a crooked cop. And yet the majority of my missions are coming from this person. So that was a little frustrating. Whatever. I just, I don't like the way this game approaches the issue. It just feels like, like it, it, I don't know. And we, uh, are kind of on different sides about this where I, like I feel like it leans a little bit left but it's still like I don't know just not not far enough that I feel like it uh I don't know how <laughs> this game looks it, like it leans left it just like, doesn't, I, it, I'm not it, it doesn't anything. make any firm stances whatsoever you know no I mean I I would argue that it does I think that this is a very much like the city is set up in such a way where police contractors you you work as a mercenary but primarily any sort of thing you're driving by, you're working as a police contractor where you'll drive by like a fight that's happening and you're able to, as a mercenary, deal out justice right there in the form of execution yeah. and you get rewarded by the cops. That's that's taken a pretty deep stance, a little bit more libertarian right on the political compass where, hey, if you have a gun and you get a little nice card, you can be a cop. <laughs> I guess. I mean, sure, but it's in contrast to how they're setting up your main character as being very uh, as being somebody that that's against the government, against cops, against like the system, you know, and yet you're like, I I don't understand. Like, it feels like it's these two Mm -hmm. sides that are constantly very, very whiplash. It's very whiplash. The main storylines character 
would not be somebody who takes these jobs that you're so like that you're so easily given in the game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and granted, like these are all, I guess, technically optional, but when 80% of the content is like help night city PD, you know, <clears throat> kill this crazy homeless man. Like, <laughs> like when it's, when it's mostly that stuff, you have to wonder if that's what they're wanting you to like walk away with. I don't know. All right. So I'm, I am, I'm enjoying it overall. I think it's a good video game. I think it will be even better once it gets patched. And I'm, I have no doubt. I have zero doubt that uh, they are going to patch the crap out of this game, that it will mm-hmm. be very stable and run very well and be what they wanted it to be initially for console players and for PC players. I have mm-hmm. no doubt that it will get there. Yeah. That said, the, um, and I hate even like, contributing to this conversation just because there has been so much discourse about this game and about the drama surrounding it for the last week that it feels like even just two freaking neckbeards sitting down to talk about it on a Saturday is like I don't want to add to the noise well I mean this the, it's the listeners fault for listening to this they're, they're <laughs> sure. subjecting yeah, themselves it's to their it, fault so it's their go fault. off just like it's our fault that uh CD Projekt Red uh released this game before it was ready yes right? we yes, alone were solely responsible <laughs> Yeah, it is our fault. Uh, we're the ones that held their puppies hostage and made them. We're, we're the evil gamers that paid $60 for this product that's not even done. Which is which is a sentiment. I mean, not that it, like us two are solely responsible, but that uh, that gamers are uh, solely responsible for them having released this game before it was ready. Because uh, the consumer is what uh, is what called for this game to be released and so it's 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 our fault being the consumer yeah yeah that's a take that i've seen from everyone that's on the defend cd project red side where they're saying like well you guys demanded that this game come out when they said it was going to come out and because of that the game is broken and i just wish people would think critically for two freaking seconds and think about how ridiculous that sentiment is where People were like, hey, can you give us what you said you'd give us at this time? No, I'm kind of sad about that. Like, that's that's a reasonable response to a game that was delayed three times over a year. And obviously not like the very, like, Nero, the world exists because of me sort of sentiment of sending death threats. But being disappointed vocally in a game that was promised in April that didn't launch until... December that that's okay I think that's not our fault that it came out <laughs> yeah do, I mean, do you think we have any like I don't know I don't I don't think it's the the consumer's fault at all like the way that CD Projekt Red <laughs> just don't announce your game before it's ready <laughs> don't do that and this right. is and this is why you know like they announced a, a release date way too early you know, clearly, like they said that it, it that it was in a state of being near done or done, but when that wasn't true, uh, mm-hmm. and we know that now because uh, we're hearing about meetings that they're having internally where the developers are like, "Yo, what you said was not true at this time. Right. The, the the game wasn't done, and you're promising people that it is done and that it's right uh, that it's going to be certified and and out by by this time." Um, yeah, what a clusterfuck, man. No, I, I, and you asked, like, do you think that we have that sort of power? I think that our purchasing power is something that their stockholders and stuff are taking into account. 
but I don't think anyone was going to not buy the game because of another delay. Like, right? I don't know that anyone was going to say, oh, you're delaying the game one more time. Guess what? If it comes out in July of 2021, which I think realistically it should have, I don't think anyone would have said like, nope, you know what? I'm not going to buy it. I, I don't see how that... I don't I know. Think, I think I, I don't that, know that. that's true for uh, the people that, again, have emotional attachments to the company and to the studio and that want this game to be amazing. Like, the, mm-hmm. the people that have been following this game for a long time, I don't think you lose those people. I don't think you lose us who are right. going to buy this game regardless, right? I think mm-hmm. you, you do start to lose the people that were maybe on the fringe or uh, maybe aren't, quote-unquote, gamers, you know, who just sort of want to play the biggest thing of that year, you right. know, and maybe who aren't yeah. super invested in, in the conversation or the discourse and just want a cool game to take home and play for Christmas. Yeah. I, I do wonder if you start to lose those people eventually. I think the Christmas thing and the fact that it released in December is very much on purpose, too. I think that they really wanted to make sure that if they were going to release it this year, it needed to be in around the time of a break, either summer or Christmas. Christmas and, I think that, and around new consoles, even though there isn't a next-gen update or version yet, they for sure wanted this game to come out in time for the PS5 and Series X, right? Yeah. For obvious yeah. reasons, you know? Yeah. And I just think that it is just completely mismanaged by the upper management. I don't blame the devs for this at all. It's not the devs' like they can They can only work with whatever management they have. And I would say even spite of how rushed this is, they've nailed a lot of things about it, which Mm -hmm. kudos to them. That's something to be proud of. I hate that it's going to be another several months of crunch for them through Christmas and through early next year. That's awful. Like that. I I've gotten no way to cross that in a way that it's good for me or good for them. I mean, you can pay someone whatever amount of money, but if they're working an 80 hour week, that's hell. Like that's not, nothing is worth that in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah, I just think that it's to blame other, I even hate using the word gamer, but to blame other gamers for this game coming out is extremely short-sighted and very like, I feel I like it's, think it's, it's a it's, wrong it's, take. It's, yeah, it's not, it. it's like one small slice of the entire pie, you know, mm-hmm. like, should we take some of the blame? Maybe, perhaps, you know, like w- we could all be a little bit more realistic about the situation we could all be a little bit more patient you know mm-hmm. and maybe if we had been a little bit more patient then i'd still think it would have come out <laughs> like i don't think even if uh, you know all of us were like dude it's totally cool it's totally fine take as, as yeah. long as you need this game still would have come out when it did because they wanted to hit the uh yeah. you know the the sale cycle of the holiday they season. wanted to hit q4 2020 they wanted like, to hit that that's that's what's important here right like right. they don't care about when you want the game to come out they care about when is the most optimal time for them to make the the, the most money possible right, right. and like right. that's that we've talked about this so much that i just feel like a broken record at this point but like my issue is with people that form these emotional attachments to companies and to corporations that are making millions and millions of dollars who realistically don't care about you up 
past the point where you give them your sixty dollars. It's a transactional relationship and a transactional relationship relationship. alone. And so for all these people that I've been arguing with for the last week over Facebook with anime profile pictures, which, by the way, don't do it. If you see an anime profile picture, scroll on. They'll suck you in and you'll just (laughs) don't do it. But I've been arguing with these people all week about it, man. It's like just these people bending over backwards to defend actions that are so shitty, like what they did as far as um, being super shady about the, uh, in the review cycle leading up to the game's release and only giving out review codes for the PC game so that um, the only game that people were experiencing that were actually reviewing the game, the the thing that you were going to see back at home about whether or not you should buy this game, they were, they were given the best possible version of that game they didn't see the console version there were some right uh they actively hid that they actively hid it yeah um and so that's why a couple of sources like polygon i know didn't even review it at all because they were like this is not right this is disingenuous you're giving us one piece of the pie you know um then on top of that (laughs) on top of that they were like you can't use any of the any of your footage that you recorded playing this game you can't use that you can only use b-roll you can only use this the footage that we capture that we give you yeah so on top of not being able to show off your actual experience right were given this very canned experience that they wanted the consumers to highly curated action edited movie they were given to post in their review videos that alone is bullshit that alone like they were just given blade runner 2049 and said here put this in your video and say it's our game and it's why like i get so mad seeing these people like blame game journalism in general like people have to understand that if you don't have journalists if you don't have these people in you know that are covering games if you don't have that middleman there is nothing separating you from what the these studios and these corporations want you to see just straight up yeah you know and they, isn't they it have, wild that this game centered completely on corporate like <laughs> yeah. over like corporate greed and just yeah. explicit corruption that there are people defending the corporation responsible <laughs> for releasing a thing and demonizing journalists now that, in the same breath. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's it is just it is beyond performance art at this point. It's gross to have it's just gross to have something this blatant like, as I, an example. I like CD Projekt Red. I love The Witcher Three. I love the work that that they do. I love how transparent they were with. The Witcher 3 and a lot of those issues and how they handled their community and, and providing updates, how they handled the expansions. I love all of that. All things that should be praised and encouraged. Love all of that. But the way that they handled like that doesn't excuse the way that they've handled Cyberpunk 2077. It just no. doesn't. It just doesn't. No. You know, and and maybe people need to not love companies. No, <laughs> no company will ever love but, you back. And I, you don't love Coca Cola. You like a product. You don't love PepsiCo. You don't love Spike TV. You like you like a product that the, they offer. True, it's bizarre. Hundred percent. And but the problem is that you associate, um, and this is very much by design, and it applies to games just like it. I think the Coke sure. example is a good example where they want you to associate your memories and your good experiences yeah. and like the holiday season and you know like all of that marketing they want you to associate those good feelings with their product and it's yeah. the same thing with video games right like yeah. i have an i feel an attachment to bungie 
because of Halo, because of Halo 3, because of following that studio for years over the development mm-hmm. cycle of those video games, you know? I feel like I know a lot of the people at that studio because I've been following them for so long over Twitter mm-hmm. and social media. So that's where like the attachment to these studios come comes from, you know, and I think like yeah. it's fine to follow a studio and to be a fan of a studio. Right. But once you cross over into a territory where like I don't defend Bungie when they do something really stupid or greedy, right. like, you know, yeah. Once you get to that point where it's like I'm bending over backwards to defend the latest fuckery that is happening with uh Tess Everest over it yeah. over at the in-game destiny store you know like that's that's when you need to step back i think you need to check yourself a little bit like yeah you you can like a product you can love a product even you know and and not let that color your 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 vision of, right. of the entire pic you know what i mean and i and i like to think that we're being decent examples of that because i i saw one person particularly that you were arguing with they said, and I'm paraphrasing the quote. This is really about they, one person. <laughs> well, they said, it's working fine on my PlayStation 4. Gaming journalists don't know anything. And yeah. that is like such a, in my tiny microcosm of an experience, it works fine. Therefore, every other person who's saying otherwise has to be either lying intentionally or unintentionally. Mm-hmm. And that is just such a bizarre take for me and so self-centered I am playing on a 1080 graphics card on an like a, like a Ryzen 7. So it's making the game look pretty good, but I'm able to know okay like my experience is not the only one that everyone's getting. Yeah. And I don't know how someone shuts their brain and isolates themselves to that point where they're like no, I am right. The company that I love released a good thing even though the PlayStation Store has pulled it from digital sales. Like that's how do you have that take? What what lobotomy do you get that's branded with the <laughs> Nike logo that makes you love companies and capitalism that much? Like, yeah. how, how do you hate other people that much? I don't get that. There are two things there that I want to talk about, and we'll, we'll get to the PlayStation thing uh, because that's fucking wild and has never happened unreal. in my recollection. But that does create the, the issue of player experience of uh, player experience with this game being so drastically different depending on what system you're playing on mm-hmm. is what is not doing this conversation and this discourse any favors like it is no it's not the fun effective to talk class about. war that sprung up in this <laughs> the class war but it's like and even people that <laughs> it's just so fucked man because people that have only played on a base ps4 or a base xbox and have only experienced games at that sort of in that window Mm-hmm. My sense is that like they don't really understand what the, all of this, you know, all, all where all of the hate is coming from, you mm-hmm. know, because they're used to games playing at 30 FPS. They're used right. to textures of models and cars not loading in uh, mm-hmm. one or two seconds from now. Like all of that is just kind of par for the course. Right. Right. It's the people that have like know the difference, like know the difference between that and how the game is like supposed to run. Like right. me going and shut up strike a loud ass don't cats are so loud um going and playing destiny 2 on my brother's original xbox one was a horrifying experience Mm. (laughs) because like things that should have loaded in like 
10, uh, like 10, 10 seconds for me took two minutes for him. And yeah. it, he didn't know the difference. He was like, right. this is, this is my normal. This is what I'm used to. Right. I was like, dude, this is unplayable. I don't, I don't right. under, right. I don't understand, you know? And so it's, it's the same thing here. I think where it's like people that are used to that experience don't really see an issue. You know, like, yes, it's buggy. There are bugs, but it's livable versus people yeah. that have like know the difference and have played it on maybe a PS4 Pro or yeah. uh, or on like. And we do have friends that that play uh, that have a PC and have a PlayStation and still prefer to play some games like Cyberpunk on their console. You know, good for you. More power to you. You deserve a good product. <laughs> yeah. But like just the the. It seems like everybody is having just completely different experiences based on their hardware and based yeah. on their experiences and like what they're just, you know. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah. So this game, this game released um, to like nines and tens, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people uh, and that's largely because people had only experienced the PC version. So right. it, it released and then reviewers started to review the game again for console. And then the game started getting like threes and fours. Right. Um, so we started to get kind of a more accurate picture, which, you know, spawned all of the discourse. And then now we're in a spot where CD Projekt Red started to uh, <laughs> started to promise refunds without yeah. it, my read on this is that they were they released that statement without having communicated to any of these merchandisers or to PlayStation or to Xbox, they were just like, Hey, if you have an issue, go to them, you know? Yeah. And like, regardless of what their actual refund policy, which as far as I know, if you buy a, like a physical copy from Best Buy or for GameStop, once you open that sucker, you have, you have it right. Like you can't, you can't return that. That's how, that's how it was at GameStop anyway. So I'm like, why would you tell people if they've purchased a brand new version of your game and they've cut through the shrink wrap? I don't think GameStop will even take that back. Right. You know, I could be very wrong. Maybe their, their policy has changed since I work there, but, um, and you can see then, and you can see then how, if you're just at a glance looking at the situation, it can feel like gaming journalism does have a corrupt element to it because all of these companies that did give it a 10 or a nine, they gave it based on the version they were given to review. And I would say with that, they might've nailed it with their review process. But once people got their hands on the actual console versions, a very different picture emerged. I don't know that that's a reflection on gaming journalism so much as it is the dishonesty behind CDPR. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Uh, yeah. So, and then now PlayStation is, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how did how did PlayStation respond to all of that? <laughs> they said, I don't know her. We're taking this game off our store. <laughs> they just freaking removed it. Yeah. They were like, yeah, okay, Unreal. we'll do refunds, but we're not going to sell your game on on so if you if you're if you buy games uh just from like the the playstation store, you don't buy physical, you are shit out of luck for a while until that well, game get, gets patched. I- I said this to you earlier, they removed a digital game that was supposed to be like the biggest game of the year. They removed that in a year where more people are probably going to buy a digital copy just so they don't go to Walmart and risk getting coronavirus. They removed it the week before Christmas, arguably when people would have the most disposable income to spend $60 on a digital purchase. They are take they are willing to still take a loss knowing that this thing is so broken. That's that is wild. Anytime a company makes the decision to even a little bit sort of delay profit, 
that has to mean something is very, very wrong. Well, I, I mean, I think it's it speaks to the volume of people that are trying to get refunds for yeah. the game at a, at a single time. To, yeah, I don't know that this is like even for like Fallout 76 or for any mm-hmm. of those games, like those games weren't straight up removed from the store. Like you still had the option to play it. So I don't yeah. know if it, I don't know if it's a combination of like them just being pissed at the studio mm-hmm. and being like, you know what? Fuck you. Like you didn't yeah. like c- communicate any of this to us. You just sort of dropped it on us. And now we have like hundreds, if not thousands of people that are trying to get refunds for your game, you yeah. know? And so they just took it off. Maybe that was the easiest thing to do. I don't, <laughs> I, but to my knowledge, this has never happened before. Yeah. I, Absolutely I, wild. I don't know how, how you pivot from something that bad. I think that there's still people who are going to be able to buy it in three months that are going to buy a completely different game than what we're Mm. currently playing, which is why I kind of want to get through it on this and then see what it looks like later. Um, But yeah, that, that is just wild to me that 2020 goes so deep that the game that was supposed to be the biggest game this year just released and was immediately removed from PlayStation because it's so bad. I think that's it, man. Like I think that's where a lot of this, defense also comes from like i talked to uh my newfound family member sam moikes who i found over facebook um he is in that camp too where it's like uh he has a base ps4 he bought it Mm -hmm. he was like yeah it kind of runs fine i've only ever played games on my base ps4 and i think he just like I don't blame him for just wanting to have a sliver of light (laughs) in in an otherwise dark and crappy year, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people just, just needed that, you know? And so Mm -hmm. all of the hate that, that this game and their, that their experience is getting, you know, is just like, it's taken maybe a little personally, I think when it shouldn't. Yeah. They're, they're willing to forgive a little bit more sin uh, because they just need a distraction. And I get it. Like, I'm yeah. I'm happy that whatever version I'm looking at right now runs the way that it runs because I welcome the distraction. Um, yeah. But I, I'm more or less mad on behalf of everyone who is not able to get this experience and then by other people who are playing the game are basically being called stupid for expecting a product to perform the way they were explicitly told it would perform. Like... That's pretty gaslighting sure. and stupid. And sure. uh, and I I am just endlessly frustrated when I see people take the just dismissive and classist and horrible stance of like, well, what did you expect? It's an eight-year-old machine. Like, dude, they told all of us it was going to run good. Like, they, they said surprisingly well. They said it was going to be the crown jewel of this gen. Like, that... That's Crown not, Jewel. And then to go... We didn't, we didn't talk about those either. But then they released a statement that was like, we didn't know. We didn't know that the yeah, PS4 how, and the how Xbox did you not know? What did you not that, know? I, I can't believe we didn't talk about that. But yeah, like that was the biggest bullshit BS moment that I that I think they've said so far. It's like yeah, that's, that's it's just blatantly <laughs> not true. You wouldn't have only given out PC review codes if you had zero idea of what the same yeah. game was like. Yeah, and and that's just rather than admit. Listen, we didn't do the best on this. To say that you like, I know that they said they neglected it and that's fine, but to go as far as to say like, well, this is as, a, as big a surprise to us as it is to y'all. Like <laughs> you guys, you guys hit the release button on this. Like y'all, y'all didn't have like a target near your studio where you could just go get a PS4 and figure this out. Like, really? You, you, 
None of you guys owned one. No one playtested this in-house. You just released it, huh? That's how we do things. Remember okay. when this game went gold too? Like it had, it had been, sir. I I want to. I need to educate myself on what that process actually looks like because this game was certified. Like people, right. people, a different review board experienced this game and approved it based yeah. on I what I think are stipulations that they or maybe some basis of like trust that the studio was going to fix those issues before right. uh, the game actually launched. I don't know how it works, but I'm like a different like third party company okayed this and it released. Yeah. I'm like, how, how, how <laughs> I would, I would quicker, I would more soon believe if CD project red brought someone's 14 year old nephew at a press conference and said, okay, here's the deal. Dylan made this game. Okay, this was his first game. He's not done this before. Okay, we wanted to hide it because we thought you guys wouldn't take it seriously if you knew that Dylan made it. Okay, oh, he's crying. Look at he's him. He's got. He has more work to do. All right, clearly, and we're gonna work on it together now. Okay, what you guys need to do is be strong for Dylan. I would have sooner believed that than what they actually said, which was like, guys, look, we just didn't know. We just didn't know. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's ridiculous. Anyway, look, all of that said too, if if you're somebody that likes this game and you're on a base console or you're on a console, you know, and you're enjoying it, I would say like don't don't let other people color your perception of your experience. If you're having play a on. good experience and you're enjoying it, play on, brother. Play on, you know? King. It's okay. It's okay to like <laughs> a game that's flawed in many ways. Yeah. You know? People, I've been, I'm a Destiny player. People have been playing Fallout and Skyrim for years, you know? Right. That's it's okay. fine. There is joy to, to be found in flawed products, you know? People play No Man's Sky for forever, and then that game was patched into a game that's halfway playable now. So, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Just don't feel like you have to defend a company and don't feel crazy for asking for what you are promised explicitly right like that's that's the big thing here you should not feel guilty for being like hey parts of this are a little bit disappointing like that's that's okay you can say that for sure for sure yeah. and i have no doubt this game is going to be incredible a 10 out of 10 experience right now i would say i, I would put this thing at probably a 7.5 yeah maybe we land it there like what what's your overall like big picture okay so Close, even, isolated even if, picture. My experience on PC, I'm going to say it's probably a 7.5 for me. Overall, like knowing that my brothers and sisters on PS4 are struggling to run it, I would say overall right now with all the deception stuff, I'd probably say like 4 out of 10. Maybe 3 because of the, the ookiness. Yeah, I think so. Even Even if you took out all of the bugs and stuff, I think I would still put this game at an 8. Considering okay. considering all of the bugs and like my experience, the yeah. bugs that I have experienced, I would put it at probably a seven. Yeah, and and that's um, that's with us having the best possible version. Yeah, <laughs> correct. Ugh. Like even if the game runs super well, like I don't think that fixes combat feeling stiff for me. I don't think it fixes uh, the complaints I have with loot management um with that whole system uh with the weird uh, implied politics of the game weird implied politics the open world stuff is not very engaging um mm -hmm. you know like it feels very samey and as somebody that likes to 100% these types of games already i'm ve i'm very much feeling like it's just kind of a, a checklist mm -hmm. of events that i have to get through you know and they're all the same there's not really much variation and i understand like 
um, this game is based on something else. So I don't know if they're constrained to what they can sort of do in this game. But like, I would have loved to have seen like some mini bosses, you know, with a little bit more variety. Um, you know, like we're in mm-hmm. a suit, like we're in 2077, a very like high tech advanced thing. And we're still mostly five. Like I want to see more mechs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of where I'm at. Like, um, yeah. So, Eight, if everything is working correctly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Seven, uh, as is. That's yeah. where I'm at. I'm, I'm interested to see what story content, what design, what new features are brought in in the next couple of months. Um, and I, I just, I'm interested to watch CD Projekt pivot from here because you can't just, you can't just rely on your army of like, witcher tattooed fans to defend you on the internet forever like you actually have to make good on the promises you explicitly made um i hope everyone that's touched this game i hope the dude that designed the menu interface gets to buy two houses at the end of all this because they did still they did still get so whether or not they got their bonuses was supposed to be hinged on the metacritic which it usually is for studios and they did make an exception to that. So all of the devs are still receiving their bonuses regardless of what the, the score is. So good for them. That's good. Yeah. yeah. That should be said. So I feel like we should probably like touch base with this again in a couple of months to see like a... <laughs> this conversation kind of the... is not going anywhere. Like no, this was no, no, the no, biggest no. game I would say of the last like five years. And mm-hmm. there's like literally nothing else of this caliber that has come out. <laughs> recently or will come out for a while so like and this was such a disastrous launch that like we're going to be talking about this game for probably most of 2021 too you have to feel like microsoft is watching all of this feeling really good about their decision to delay halo again which by the way this game is basically an xbox exclusive game now i guess at this point right so speaking of which (laughs) uh is there anything else you want to talk about today this is the last episode of 2020 yeah Uh, i mean like i I feel like we we went all over the place talking about cyberpunk, but that's all right. I think I think mostly my main beef with it is again like the the idea that I'm an accessory to a subjugating force in Night City. I don't really like that. Uh, (laughs) It feels gross, like that quest that I I was talking about. I wanted more. Yeah, I wanted more out of an RPG in that regard. the game sets you up to want to burn everything down with Johnny Silverhand as part of the main quest, but everything you do is like regarding the side missions for the most part is in service of this giant beast of corporate corruption that you're also trying to tear down. And, and, and maybe, maybe that's a point that they're trying to make that it's, it's futile, you know, to, uh, rise up against the system like regardless of what you do you're still kind of working for the system maybe that's the larger point that they're trying to make here i don't think yeah. that it is but i don't i don't know that I, I just it blows my mind that no one in the storyboarding process like said hey if this is a game where it's against corporate corruption do we really want to make the first 200 side missions in service as like a bounty cop like is that what we want to do i just don't I feel like that's a safe decision because frankly if they released this and you can go as far out as you want as to just join a game and exclusively hunt cops like maybe it wouldn't have been received as well that would be a risky decision yeah but frankly in an RPG centered around this that option and that storyline would make sense to me so 
Yeah, I don't know. What'd you think about Mando? Oh my god, dude! <laughs> can we do we can can we do spoilers? Can yeah, we, can we so do spoilers, Mando. Full, full disclosure: if you're still listening and uh, you uh, have not finished the season two of the Mandalorian, go do that before you continue. <sighs> dude, it was so good. It was so so good. so good. Yeah, like everything everything about Dave Filoni and John Favreau have me feeling very Give good about Star Wars. Give them the keys. Give him the keys. Yeah. Let, just I, let I, I want, it, I need him to be the Kevin Feige of, uh, of Star Wars now. Yeah. You know, and that's Mando isn't without its problems. There are some slower episodes, but I think overall this season really had momentum behind it. I and think, it's I don't know. I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I think, um, even with all of its faults and with some of the hamminess, the corniness, mm-hmm. I think these two seasons have been some of my favorite Star Wars Oh, if, for sure. If for not sure. my, if not my favorite Star Wars content yeah. that has come out in movie form, uh, and I, I still haven't finished the Clone Wars. I'm just trying to get through that again because there are so many references to the Clone Wars and to yeah. Rebels that I'm like, fuck. I guess I really need to go back and like commit, yeah. commit to watching that. But I'm doing just, the same thing. Yeah, I, I no. do feel like a lot of my complaints with the first season of Mando were somewhat remedied, where like every episode did feel very siloed you know, mm-hmm. and sectioned off from each other. And it's like, where are we going with this story? I do feel like in season two, there are some through lines that yeah. were through that, that whole thing. I did feel like we were like headed somewhere with like needing, uh, bit to connect baby Yoda to the Jedi, you know, mm-hmm. and to like, yeah. So, so I, I love, I love that whole aspect. Every episode had some sort of, Oh shit moment. Yeah, for sure. With, yeah. with, a, with Ahsoka, with uh and again i don't i didn't even feel half as uh emotional about that sort of thing as i'm sure people that like followed clone wars for years yeah um felt when i i feel like uh she did a great job she looks like ahsoka yeah um yeah and just the treatment of boba fett i i think that that was absolutely done well i think that they were able to subtly give a little tribute to Tim Wara Morrison's culture in equipping him with basically like a Maori weapon when he initially comes on screen. I think that was pretty yeah. cool. Um, yeah. The dude broke through stormtrooper armor with a club in his sort just of introductory combat scene. The way that scene was filmed. Yeah. Just so f- aggressive. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know how like very like uptight and close and like yeah. violent yeah you and i both were like were were like okay so fett is clearly like coming back you know because yeah we got that glimpse of him in in the first episode and both of both of us were like or worried i would say that like yeah the the show is not gonna treat boba fett with the amount of respect and uh put him in the light that he deserves to be and being Mm -hmm. one of the characters that has gone toe to toe with freaking darth vader and come out like one of the only non-force users who has has fought darth vader and come out on top you know and how do you how do you do that character justice right and this is someone who largely has been kind of like in the gray area between is he alive in canon or not because there's been books written in the eu that have been since like decanonized and i was worried that at most we were going to get like a pretty neat like Hey, there's that guy cutscene. Like we we they're not a cutscene. I'm still in the video sure, game mode. Yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking at most we were gonna get like a dialogue scene between um Jen and Boba Fett where it's just mm-hmm. okay, cool. He's got his armor back, great. But when Boba looked at the open door 
of the Razor Crest, I immediately kind of like sat up a little bit on my couch and I was like, this dude coming back. <laughs> this dude's going to get dude, his armor back. That that first shot of Slave 1, yeah. I, sc- I screamed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's such an awesome feeling. It's like, it was oh, just that's Slave 1. I feel it's like happening. I feel like John and Dave handle Mandalorian the way that two clearly like lifelong Star Wars fans would handle something mm. and they've been given the green light to kind of get a little bit weird with it and I think that that's that wouldn't have happened were it not for the work that Filoni did with Clone Wars and everything so kudos to him for being like in the Star Wars IP for as long as he has been I think that it's a very good story and I'm excited that it looks like they're in there for a little while longer. I think it's just so good. The action, Boba Fett using his full kit in that scene was important to me because it answered every little question that anyone has ever had about his armor. Like, those, what does the knee thing do? Like Those <laughs> knee rockets? Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. So good, man. And I love, like, there is, there's a lot of fan service yeah. uh, in season two. And I feel it doesn't bother me in the same way that it bothered me in the new movies because it, it, fe- it feels like they're handled with like actual re- like it's coming from people that have respect for the franchise it went people. beyond make sure this person is in frame like it Ex- went exactly. way beyond that yeah. and i feel like yeah. that's the most the movies gave us like oh look there's what's his face awesome like yeah. lando is on this planet yeah. cool like that yeah. <laughs> okay like it didn't really do much beyond and that and maybe that's because of the format maybe that's because mm-hmm. y- you have a little bit more leeway to do cool stuff with a tv series versus a movie where yeah. it's like you have to fit it w- within the constraints of a three hour two to three hour window yeah. you know yeah maybe i don't know but regardless i am uh i'm stoked that uh, this seems to be the direction that the Star Wars franchise is headed in. We already know that we're getting uh, an Ahsoka spinoff. We know that we're getting a Boba Fett spinoff based on the end of uh, the end of the most recent episode. I have not watched the end. I know that people are saying go back and watch, watch the, the end. You didn't watch the past the credits? No, I haven't yet. Bruh. Well, spoilers. <laughs> so that that's that. It looks like we're getting a Boba Fett spinoff. We uh, for sure are. Yeah, it's, I, I it's, would take I would take a John Wick Boba Fett spinoff completely like just give me give me eight episodes of boba fett doing what he did to those stormtroopers to just various people across the universe and i'd be fine with it like that that's my my expectations are so low (laughs) like my my happiness for anything boba fett related is just so so low i would say i would say mine were kind of high you know and i I feel like they were met even you know so really I'm yeah, I'm still I'm still for the Kenobi thing. Yeah. Uh as soon as we get a trailer with Kenobi and uh how do you how do you feel about Anakin or uh Hayden uh Christensen uh I, I think it's his cool. As, as Darth Vader? I, I say I say seeing what I've seen now with Mando and how it's been handled, I am a little bit more willing to be excited about what they do next. I think that Hayden coming back Question. as Darth Vader is cool. Was that him in uh, what movie was he in? Was Rogue Darth One? Vader in? Was it at the end where Darth Vader's on in Rogue One? Was that the only scene that Darth Vader was in in Rogue One? I believe so. No. There, what What movie was it where it showed him on Mustafar? That on was like Rogue his, One in his his base. Okay, that that's was. Rogue One. Yeah. Was that Was that Hayden Christensen in in Rogue One? I don't know. I don't know that that was him or not. Not that we hear him talk just a whole lot, I guess, but. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I think that if there's 
I think there's a lot to be done and a lot to be explored between the relationship with Obi-Wan and Anakin. Quick side, quick side thing here. We might have talked about this before, but we're on a long forum discussion episode, so let's go here. It's fine. The, um, the reason I'm excited about that is because you could make the argument that Obi-Wan not finishing Anakin off and letting him slide into the lava further uh, was actually a fault and a flaw that Obi-Wan had. It was a weak point in Obi-Wan's life where he felt the need to punish Anakin and not give him a swift death like he would anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that Obi walked away that he is the reason mer- we have like Darth Vader. And I think that that's something if if Obi kind of explores that guilt a little bit and if Obi-Wan is able to sort of like grapple with that, I think that'd be pretty cool. I don't think he knew that he was going to survive though. Like the he, difference though between like dude had getting no consumed by molten lava and yeah, just he, getting he, a quick lightsaber to the dome though. Like that's, I mean... I don't know. Like he he walked away when the dude had no limbs and was literally on fire, you know. But that's that's what I'm saying though. Like he chose to walk away from that rather than just give this guy a swift death. Like that's, that's true. there was an element of he is truly lost. He needs to be punished for what he's done. Remember, Obi was coming back from watching Anakin kill children, slaughter, and children, I don't think yeah. that that's <laughs> talked about enough. So when Obi is turning away from that, clearly heartbroken. He a little bit is punishing Anakin there. And I think that that's maybe unintentionally because those movies are written with square wheels. But I think that like (laughs) that's I think that's a moment if you read into it like a psychotic person that I am, you're like, no, this is Obi-Wan's weakest moment where he's failed himself because he had the example of a perfect master like Qui-Gon. He's failed Anakin. Anakin has failed him. He's just dejected and walking away, and that contributed to uh, the formation of Darth Vader. So I think it'd be cool if we I made mean, it flesh for, that it out. For sure, contributed to the uh, hatred that Vader feels towards Kenobi or Ben. Yeah, know, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that dynamic alone of um, friends that like had or no longer friends, but have had extensive history and have had this incredible background and that have like now hate each other. You yeah. Know? I think yeah. that alone is interesting enough to explore in a way that the uh, original trilogy didn't really. Yeah. Um, we haven't really had a chance to do that. I don't know if there are like books and stuff that have explored. I'm sure, I'm sure that, that there have been like comics and stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah, it's just it's there's so much nuance that I think got left behind in service of telling the bigger story. And I think that maybe had the story of episodes two and three been told in kind of like a Mandalorian series form, it would have been really cool to explore that. Um, but those movies move at a breakneck, breakneck speed. And I, I, I think that slowing it down and taking sort of piecemeal the way that TV shows are able to do it is just the way to take in or, such a big story like this. That's the way so, the MC, the, the way that the MCU is done. Yeah. Which right. Feel, yeah. Like feel, feels allow, like what they're, allow, it feels like what they're trying to set up with yeah. the TV series. Yeah. Allow it to breathe a little bit. And that's what I'm viewing this as. So I'm, I'm going to always walk up more star Wars stuff. If it's along the lines of Mando. Absolutely. How, how do you feel about the reveal at the end of the latest episode? I, I'm not overly excited about using like deep fake technology and stuff. <laughs> like I, I thought it was really cool 
and it looked pretty good considering we, we said know, spoilers so we can say that it's luke that yeah you see it looked it. it looked pretty good i think what they did is they <laughs> used a person who looked as close as they could to young mark hamill and then they sort of used ai to finish the rest so, off cg which yeah. is fine and but you can tell only because that last shot of like his face and stuff yeah like he ha- he has several lines and you can tell like the character is not moving at right. all to yeah. so, so that the, the cg artists can like do what they need to do mm-hmm. uh in the easiest way possible but yeah um, I'm, I'm more talking like how do you feel about it being luke versus it being like other characters that they could have used coming back you know, yeah. like a well, character from like all Rebels, of Star Wars uh, is a universe that completely revolves around the Skywalker family. So it that's makes what I'm sense. saying. We've complained about that so much. And then like, yeah, we both praise the Mandalorian so much because it doesn't do that. It doesn't mm-hmm. bring in like cameos and stuff from like the movies that like, yeah. I, don't, I don't feel like it needed to do that. It could have just as easily brought back somebody like Ezra or something from a show yeah. that I haven't even watched yet. But I yeah. hear that he's a prominent character. Uh, I feel for, like it could it could have brought back so many other people. In, for as big as the Star Wars effect. universe is, it feels like there's ten people <laughs> that yeah. that are like in existence total. Yeah, and I feel like that that's kind of annoying. Um, but it does make sense that at this point, in terms of the remaining Jedi, there's like Luke and Ahsoka, and that's about it. And so and Luke would be the person to seek out. Uh, a youngling who uh, is, you know, because he's he's I was assuming he, he's in the process of gathering all of these people to form the new order or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So it would make sense in that regard. So that's fine. I could have gone in so many other directions if I were God imagine. But if I were running that, like I would have gone in a different direction. But I feel more or less OK with it because his role was reduced to hey, you know I'm going to keep this thing safe. It was a way for the audience to know, okay, Baby Yoda's going to be all right. That's fine. Like, Grogu is going to be fine. He's with, like, the most powerful Jedi in existence. Yeah. So, yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, I think that was a way to sort of cleanly break that, break that I think story so too. off. Yeah, I don't know how else you would have, I don't know how else you would have done. And it, it, it was at a point where it was like, all right, how long are we going to keep up this sort of, yeah. this sort of shtick, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad that like we're out of that now. And now we have some other dynamics that we can explore with this, yeah. with this show. Uh, yeah. Do you think Luke comes back in any form or is that the only time that we see, that we see Luke? I kind of hope that it is. I hope that it is. I don't, it, it'll depend on. I think the reception of this episode. I, I think that if everyone hated this, I think they're willing to change good, the story yeah. a little bit. And I think that they have the room to do that. Um, the the uncanny valleyness of it, like the the my brain knowing that that's yeah, not some, some, loose, something's like, not it, quite right. Yeah, it, it makes you a little queasy when you look at <laughs> it, and I, I don't I don't enjoy I, that. I spent my brain was like. <laughs> like trying to watch that i was like is that is that a real person is that a some i actually i actually enjoyed the way they did it with tarkin in rogue one because i think they just did him like a fully animated dude and they just Mm -hmm. kind of like adjusted the lighting around him to sort of play with it um but yeah i don't know i i didn't enjoy that very much just in terms of execution I, I almost wish they would have like had him stay in the hallway with it being smoky and been like, send the boy out to me. <laughs> like just they didn't show it. Or they just, left or just it showed the like ambiguous. the top half the top yeah, half of his face. Because yeah. he was he was wearing like some sort of 
I don't know, like a like a sash or something around his his face. Sash is not. The, it's very moody. It's not, a very moody Luke Skywalker. Very yeah, yeah, yeah. very post Return of the Jedi emo Luke Skywalker. He's that, always been kind of an emo character. But that scene very, though was was yeah. sick with him slicing through uh, the the dark troopers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That that did remind me. Uh, it was a parallel in a lot of ways to the, that last scene in Rogue One where Darth Vader was just going ham. I was like, "Ooh, this yeah. feels this feels a lot like that." Where Luke is just like going ham. It was awesome. It was it was it was cool. Yeah. Good times. Um. All right. I guess the last thing. How I want to end this thing. If you're still here, if you're still tracking with us, I want to say uh, thank you to the homies that we have uh we've met through this show uh tommy nate uh i mean i guess i i I didn't meet nate through this show but like you and i have both formed relationships that i don't think we otherwise would have for sure were it not for this show and that that's really cool and in in a year (laughs) as shitty as 2020 um, and I know that we haven't been as like consistent as we otherwise could have been with this show because um, the year has been a nightmare and a half because the year has been not consistent either. Yeah. Or, I mean, it's been consistently asked, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in a year as crappy as this year, I am relieved to say that this has been one of the bright spots, one yeah, of the few sure. bright spots for me. And I, I know it's the same for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. To get together and to hang out with you guys, both on Facebook and the group and in our chat has been, uh, I think healthy for both of us because i think jake and i tend to isolate a little bit uh and and this has been it's been an exercise in stretching ourselves a little bit in probably the most healthy ways we could uh so thank you for being a part of that absolutely uh and then going forward into 2021 um i'm gonna try to change up some things just just a bit um I'm going to try even less with this podcast. (laughs) Imagine. So, you know where we're at now. Mm -hmm. Lower that expectation several notches. It's going to get so much worse. (laughs) Uh, Definitely just trying to like let this not be a point of like anxiety or something that we both have to plan for because it it started to feel like this thing where it was like every Friday night or Saturday morning, I'd have to sit down and like plan out what we were going to talk about. And it Mm -hmm. started to feel like a job. And I didn't enjoy that. I don't like this sort of like weekly news cycle that we have to like stay on top of. Didn't like having to like feel like we had to cover things that we didn't necessarily want to talk about every week. Yeah. You know, or like when there's not a whole lot going on in the news, like, you know. There's no point in us just talking about shit that we don't care about. You know? Yeah, no. So we're going to not do that. And instead, like the podcast is like the, this thing started as a way for you and I Ike, to sort of get together and, and give us an excuse to like just continue our friendship. Yes. Like, honestly, that's what that was. Also, because I was bored and I needed a hobby. Yes. Um, and so <laughs> this sort of facilitates that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't see any reason to deviate from that, you know. I think this thing is just going to be a conversation when we want to have it. You know, yeah. we're going to try to uphold the like week to week thing. But if there's a week where we're not like feeling too hot, you know, feeling a little depressed, we don't have to do this. Yeah. Know? I'll post feet pics and that'll be our substitute. And that'll that'll be it. Yeah, that'll be it. So this is going to be the sort of the low. Uh, I don't want to say low effort. <laughs> no, we're returning <laughs> to a t- weekly discussion 
of two buddies who play video games primarily. <laughs> Thank together. you. Yeah. In terms of like where our energy is going, my energy is not going so much towards this as it will be towards like, I want to get into more like the video content type stuff. So I think like we're going to start recording, uh, which is not something that we like, we've always done that, but I want to start recording our our conversations and then splitting up that entire podcast episode and putting that stuff on YouTube and stuff like that's, that's that's where I, that's where I want that to go. So yeah, I like that. Look forward to even less from us in 2021. That's right, baby. Lower the bar. Lower the bar 2021. Lower it. All of your expectations, everything. Even lower it. (laughs) Love you guys. Uh, We'll see you in 2021. Have a good Christmas. See you, kids. If you're one of the few people that make it to the end of these shows each week, man, from Ike and I both, thank you so much for listening. We truly do not deserve your attention, and we are honored that anyone, quite frankly, would carve out some time of their week to uh, listen to us. Uh, We would like to invite you to become a bona fide member of our community. You can join our group on Facebook by searching Dummy Thick Steely Boys. Uh, That space is really great for just sharing memes, uh, talking about games, Uh, Or you can join our Discord group by clicking the link in the show notes of this episode. That's kind of how we coordinate game sessions throughout the week and keep in touch. Uh, Think of that as like a nerdy group chat (laughs) with all your friends. Uh, Lastly, the music that you hear after the clap each week is is not ours. It is a beat from that kid, Goron. Uh, He produces a ton of beats, which are free to use, so long as you credit him. So again, that is that kid, Goron, G-O-R-A-N. Uh, If you would like to follow Isaac on Twitter, you can do so at E-Y-E-Z-A-H-K and myself at J-A-K-E-M-O-I-X. Thank you so much for listening again, and until next week, Frick Ferns.